0: 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. In contrast to the false teachers who are motivated by the spirit of Antichrist, John tells the believers that they are of God and that they have overcome or have defeated the false teachers who were assailing the first century church. Because these believers Confess Jesus Christ. Come in the flesh. Because they believe that Christ died. In the sinner's place. Because they believe all the. Necessarily related doctrines. Concerning our Lord's coming. Such as the virgin birth. And the resurrection. And because each one trusts personally in Christ for salvation, therefore they are God's own children. And therefore they are victors over those who deny Christ's saving work. These brethren have not allowed the false teachers who call themselves Christians to deceive them but they have triumphed over the false teachers with the truth. And so, quite simply, to believe the true gospel and all about the person of Christ, as scripture has revealed it, is to defeat the forces of Satan. We are in a spiritual battle If we remain steadfast to what has been revealed, we have overcome them, All the forces of spiritual wickedness. And John goes on in this fourth verse to say, Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Those who have overcome the false teachers have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, who is infinitely more powerful than the Satan-inspired spirit which prevails with the majority of men. And how we need to remind ourselves of this reality when we are confronted by what appears to be the overwhelming opposition of the world to biblical truth. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. John then describes the devil in this verse 4 as... He that is in the world. And uh, elsewhere he is called the prince of this world. Because Satan holds most men in his sway. Yet men could break free from this deception if they came to the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil can't actually stop anyone from becoming a Christian. Most people, however, unwittingly allow themselves to be overcome by Satan's wiles, who works in them a pride in their own wisdom. a wisdom directly in opposition. To God's revelation of Himself in Jesus Christ. And so, um, for example, yesterday in the second largest city in this country, we had vast numbers of members of the general public reveling in their man made wisdom, whereby they openly reject the revelation of God. And so, uh, these are people who have been overcome by Satan. It is not for man to impose his wisdom upon what God has made known. When men elevate their own philosophy in this way, they are doing exactly what Satan wants. God, however, will always bring to naught the so-called wisdom of men. Those possessing the Holy Spirit through their faith in Christ have an invincible supremacy over all non-believers and over the spirit of an Antichrist that is within those non-believers. And so we need to remember, as John says here, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the spirit of Christ, they have the spirit of Antichrist. Now, let us notice uh, John's distinction between the kingdom of God and the gathering of all non believers referred to collectively as the world. We must always keep that vital distinction in view. There is a separation. An irreconcilable separation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And if churches try to please the kingdom of this world, then they are doing Satan's work. John 15 and verse 18. Our Lord declares, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Well, the world in Birmingham yesterday certainly demonstrated how they hate Christians. They really hate us. Our Lord says, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And so, we must understand our status as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever we are, we are not the friends of, of this world. And yet, sadly, churches are often tempted to engage in a form of evangelism whereby they try to make themselves the friends of this world. And of course we had to deal yesterday with people calling themselves Christians supporting that public display of gross wickedness. Now at the beginning of this chapter, John has said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. John is rejoicing here that those to whom he writes have not been led astray by the false prophets, but rather they have in fact overcome them. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, they have perceived the truth of Scripture and have remained faithful to it. They have refused to be deceived by the attractive philosophies of this world. And the people we face in the world, who are trying to undermine Christianity, uh, they're often clever people, they're often articulate and well-educated people. They will use arguments, to make us stumble. And so they will argue, how can you possibly oppose this lifestyle because it's all about equality? Well, we need to tell them that there is no equality between right and wrong. There is no equality between sin and holiness. And so John rejoices here that the brethren to whom he writes uh, have received the God given ability to discern and to refute the error of the false teachers. And we constantly need to be on our guard that we today are overcoming the satanic false teaching which is engulfing the churches in our own day. Some of the worst and most dangerous attacks upon Christian truth emanate from those who call themselves Christians. And so many are thereby deceived. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, thankfully, those to whom John writes here have not succumbed to the carefully crafted and skillful arguments of the false teachers. The power of the Holy Spirit indwelling them has given them a certain perception and the courage not to be intimidated by the mainstream philosophies all around them. However, those to whom John writes need to exercise ongoing vigilance regarding the false teachers we are constantly called carefully to think all issues through in the light of Scripture. Look how many churches today are gradually taking up the environmental, green, ecological course, the global warming, climate change course. And they are doubtless thinking to themselves, oh, look, if, if we're in the church, preach this, a lot of people will agree with us and like us. You see, it's the spirit of the world. But this whole climate change phenomenon is is a resort to ancient paganism, a worship of Mother Earth. God controls the climate, not man. Each generation has to fight its fresh battles against the philosophies of this world. Because the truth is always under attack. And and we must never take the attitude well we've lost that battle we must move on. And you know it's tempting for Christians to do that. A few years ago under the Prime Minister who has just resigned we had a redefinition of marriage or she may have been Home Secretary at the time I can't remember but the Prime Minister who has just resigned was a wholehearted supporter of redefining marriage and So we see the power of the Satan-inspired anti-Christian forces which are constantly assailing the truth of God. Now, marriage redefinition happened a few years ago. Do we just say, well, we've lost that battle, let us move on? Or do we fight? to make sure that that wicked legislation is repealed and that we return marriage to what it should be as being between one man and one woman only. A very significant verse in this context is Colossians 2 and verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So, there in the first century, the believers were warned do not be subtly deceived by the prevailing philosophical ideas of your generation. Today, vast numbers of churches have allowed the anti-Christian spirit of secular humanism to dictate their agenda. And so they use the same language as the secularists, the churches do. And so you hear people saying, oh, we are an inclusive church. We don't reject anybody. Which is a euphemism for saying we condone sin. We embrace diversity. Which is another euphemism for condoning sin and falsehood. Paul had to warn the elders of the Ephesian congregations. In Acts 20 and verse 29. He said this. After my departing... Shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock? Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And so, therefore, warns that there will be grievous wolves, as he describes the false teachers, actually within the churches. 2 Peter 2 verse 1 But there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. That is many professing Christians. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And so this all demonstrates to us how every generation has to fight its own battle to preserve the biblical faith. John says here of the false teachers in verse 5, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. Uh, this is not just a truism, it's, it's a very significant statement. The false teachers are from the world and so they speak according to the anti-Christian spirit, which is abroad in the world. And that this is one of the ways in which we discern false teachers today. Are these false teachers in the churches saying what non-Christians in the world are saying? You see, the false teachers speak according to their origins and allegiance. Namely, the Satan inspired philosophies of the Christ rejecting majority. And we have to be uh, very aware of the allure of the majority because we have put democracy uh, on a pedestal, and to a certain extent, that that is right and good. But we must never assume, as Bible believing Christians, that what the majority thinks is of necessity right. Because the majority are rejecters of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the next chapter, in verse 19, John says, the whole world lieth in wickedness. Or in the power of the evil one. We are not living in a world where most people have a broad sympathy with the Christian faith. The opposite is the case. And so there are not a, a lot of nice people out there just waiting uh, to come in and be friends with us. They can't stand us. The world by its very nature is God-rejecting and under. Satan's sway. Uh, Men never have to be taught to be non believers. They are always so by nature. That is the type of world in which we live. All the people around us who never come anywhere near us don't come anywhere near us because They look down on us and they despise our message. And they might be outwardly polite and we are thankful that they are. But they have hearts opposed to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, which is Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So all the unbelievers around us are blinded by Satan. Now, they will often be very highly educated, sophisticated people. And they will talk about things like equality and diversity. And they will use all the buzz phrases so loved of our contemporary generation. And they will often try to teach us some theology. They will say things to us, as was said in Birmingham yesterday oh, God never judges anyone. They've obviously never. Pick the Bible up if they think that. Satan is behind the way the world thinks. They are of the world. The false prophets speak from the world's perspective. And let us remember that John is referring here to those who claim to be Christians. Somebody like uh, Richard Dawkins is, is a great opponent. You know where he stands. He says he's an atheist. We have to be on our guard from the subtle enemy who seeks to undermine the truth from within, and so it is quite possible for people to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, but to do so motivated by man made ideas. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Verse 5. Forced teachers always gain a ready hearing in the world because they tell the world what it wants to hear. The prophet Jeremiah was a very unpopular preacher. He told the nation of Judah that judgment was going to come. But there were false prophets saying that God would keep on looking after the country and that it would remain at peace and secure. The people loved the false prophets, and despised Jeremiah. Is it our task, in order to try and fill our church, to say what the world wants us to say to them? To please them? Of course not. And Thankfully, by God's grace, we we have seen the error of that approach long ago but false teaching will often experience success because it pleases the world and then of course when the success happens the false teachers will say there is the proof that God is blessing what we are saying and so where you have a remnant who remain faithful and who are mainly in very small churches, they can come along and say, well, look, what you're doing is not working. And so there is more and more pressure on us, those who adhere to the old paths, to move with the times and to listen to the new message which God is supposedly delivering to the churches. So, hopefully, we can see the dreadful danger of churches trying to produce a message which the world likes. This may actually result in doing the devil's work for him. That is how serious it is. Now, John is speaking here in this chapter 4 in the context of testing the spirits. How do we discern true teaching from false teaching? Well, as we have stated, one of the ways is to realise that the false teaching will usually be saying exactly what the world is saying. So, Uh, For example, uh, for a number of decades now, we have had a militant feminist movement in the Western world. How have the mainline churches responded to it? Well, they have uh, allowed women to come into the Christian ministry, although Scripture explicitly forbids it. In 1992, when the Church of England passed the Ordination of Women Measure, the official statement was made, the world will never forgive us if we do not do it. That is what the Church of England said. The world will never forgive us if we do not do it. So they were making what the world thinks The yardstick of that church's teaching. And this is precisely what John means here in verse 5. When he says, the world heareth them. Likewise on another matter. Take the matter of the earth's origins. The majority of churches, and this goes back to Victorian times... The majority of churches, not wanting to pe- appear out of step with mainstream secular thinking, abandoned the historical integrity of the Genesis account of creation. And they embraced the ideas of Charles Darwin. The Origin of Species came out in 1859. And you know, within just a few years of 1859, most churches had given way to what Charles Darwin was saying. And they began to believe that the Earth was many millions of years old. And the reason was that the churches did not wish to be thought of as being unscientific or unscholarly people. And, and of course, in Victorian times it it was the great age of the advancement of science. And people were thinking, look, we're going to make a better world through all our uh, scientific innovations. And the churches got swept up with this. And they didn't wish to appear to be going against the grain. So they embraced the ideas of Charles Darwin and and, and tried to work those ideas into the early chapters of Genesis. And again, as we um, have already mentioned, and one can't avoid this issue today, one of the most fundamental of all moral issues concerning our creation as men and women and the constitution of the family and of marriage. Mainline churches have allowed the virulently anti-Christian gay rights movement to undermine the plain revelation of God in Scripture. And so churches have gone to an organisation like Stonewall for advice. Can you believe it? They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world and the world hear of them. False teaching, which gives men a greater liberty to sin in any area of conduct, will not of course receive the world's opposition. And this is why false teaching is so attractive to professing Christians. It's a way of avoiding the world's hostility. And so there is this temptation to take a more lenient approach in certain key areas. And that makes the churches look open-minded. And I tell you a word that's often used to undermine biblical teaching, and that's the word compassionate. Compassionate. Don't denounce sin because it's not compassionate. Actually, when we do denounce sin, it's out of love for the sinner that he might escape the wrath of God. But you see, professing Christians are enticed and tempted by the use of that word. And so we need to understand uh, the battle that we are in Some will argue, well, glorify the mercy of God. Don't focus so much upon the judgment of God. Now that's another argument which is used. We have to be on our guard. False teaching can suddenly become deceptively enticing. As it is cleverly portrayed in orthodox clothing to bypass the whole issue of God's judgment and to stress instead God's unconditional love sounds reasonable and gracious but but, you know we have to really be on our guard against that expression unconditional love it's it's, it's not in scripture it sounds like a very Christian concept Uh, But God's love for the sinner is not unconditional. The sinner has to repent. Luke 13 verse 3 Except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish. That is a condition. And so do we tell unrepentant sinners that God unconditionally loves them? If we really love our neighbour we need to tell him the reality of the danger that, that he is in. We, we do it with a loving heart. We, yes, we try and do it in a gracious manner. But we mustn't undermine the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ frequently denounced sin in the strongest possible terms. Now, another way in which churches are tempted to conform to the world is by putting great emphasis upon social needs. This has been uh, a problem going going right back to the late 19th century, and particularly the early 20th century. The churches, instead of preaching Christ crucified for sinners, they have preached, let's improve society. And what has destroyed Methodism in this country? is the social gospel. The early trade union movement did some very good things and most of the people in the early trade union movement were Methodists. But the problem is that the social gospel took over. The only way you can really improve society is by changing the sinner, not by changing the social structures. And social equality is not a biblical goal. God has not said everyone must earn the same. What we have to do is accept the situation in life which God has given to us. And of course, we must always try under God to work hard and better ourselves. But God has not ordained a social equality for all. But there is this temptation to focus the message upon people's material needs. And to talk about, now here's another buzz phrase, human rights. Let's spend all our time talking about human rights. Well, you can talk about human rights and leave God completely out of the picture. And so, uh, there were lots of posters on display yesterday in Birmingham saying, love is a human right. So, you can engage in all kinds of immoral activity because it is a human right. You see the danger of these buzz phrases. Now, the world is not going to get angry with us if we go around talking about abolishing poverty. After all, who wants to be poor? And so, the heretical social gospel always has a strong appeal. The true gospel, however, is about calling sinners to repentance. It also declares the rights of God over his creatures. Actually, before the Holy God, man has no rights whatsoever. John is telling us here that false teaching is discerned by its conformity to the world's perspective. They speak from the world or of the world. This is one of the hallmarks of false teaching. Is the church saying what the world is saying? One commentator aptly says on verse 5 concerning Satan, he takes advantage of whatever may be the world's mood at the time as regards God and his worship. He is great in his power and skill to master and manage from age to age the world's ever-changing fits and fashions. Now, of course, since the 1960s, Western society has dramatically changed and everything's become more informal, more casual. And, of course, what has happened? That has been reflected in the way... The churches behave. If you look at the last 50 years, all the churches have gone casual and laid back in the way they worship. The worst thing you can possibly do in worship today is be serious and formal. They speak from the world. You see, this is an attempt to take advantage of the world's current mood and of course the churches have brought the world's music into that now should we be attracting non-believers by saying look we like your culture we like your musical tastes, so come in and enjoy yourself is is that how we should attract non-believers Paul warned Timothy in in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned Unto fables. Paul warns of this danger of not enduring sound doctrine but being enticed by false teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Our Lord denounced the scribes and Pharisees because they used God's name to promote. Man's thinking. Mark 7 verse 7. In vain do they worship me. Teaching for doctrines. The commandments of men. And so. Let us. Realise the danger. Let us. Avoid any false teaching. That seeks to please. The world. And the prevailing fashions. Of. Of our day. John here commends the believers for not being overcome by the spirit of the age. And might we, by God's grace, also stand firm and resist the spirit of the age, which is doing all that it can to make us deny the teachings of this book. Oh, Amen.